Hello and welcome to another edition of the Radio Debrief Scottish Election Podcast. At the time of recording, we are just 13 hours away from polls opening. The strangest campaign in living memory is almost over. Joining me for one final look at the week's goings-on from the campaign trail before the country heads to the polls is Stephen Brown and Thomas McCann. Good Hello. afternoon. Hello. So, last night we saw the final debate before the country heads to the polls on BBC Scotland. It was moderated by Glenn Campbell. It had all the usual suspects. What did we make of it? I thought I thought the format of the debate was quite unusual because obviously the debates we'd seen before... Um, tended to descend into a bit of a shouting competition but um, with Glenn Campbell as the moderator he was trying to sort of prevent that from happening Um, the consensus on Twitter that I could see was basically that he had gone too far with it and wasn't allowing the debate to sort of flow freely enough but overall I think it, it had all the hallmarks of a typical leaders debate if I'm honest I think there is an element uh, that Glenn Campbell got wrong I feel like what Thomas said was that he didn't let it flow enough I feel like a conveyor is supposed to ask questions and have follow up questions but during last night's leaders debate he didn't just ask questions he challenged a lot of what people were saying and for me, it was quite easy who he was playing favourites with during the leaders' debate. And I'd, he almost lost complete control of the debate. I think it certainly seemed at points that the vibe he was giving off, that it was almost like he was interviewing rather than trying to moderate a debate. And the point mm. where he asked everyone to not shout over everyone and not interrupt each other that he then interrupted people. So it's just, listen to yourself, Glenn. Listen to yourself. It felt it felt more as though the leaders were collectively debating against Glenn Campbell than <laughs> the leaders were debating against each other. Because, like Stephen said, he was challenging them. And obviously, as a journalist, that is what you're supposed to do. But in this setting, he's not a journalist, he's a moderator. His job is to let it flow on its own. In this, yeah, exactly. It's a different situation. And the equivalent to this is, you know, Glenn Campbell's almost sort of like a referee in a, you know, a football or a rugby match. He's supposed to let the game, or in this case, debate, run freely. But I suppose it goes down to his strategy of what his preparation was like. But if we were to watch a sports game, Last night's debate was more like an American football game of stopping and starting. My you particular... could see Nicola Sturgeon got annoyed as well. Hands yeah, up. That was my particular favourite part of it when she, when he suggested the hands up part for an issue, the issue of income tax. Nicola Sturgeon went, that's a serious issue, can we not have a debate? Yeah. <laughs> Anna Sauer also had uh, a moment... Of he actually asked, started asking questions instead of answering them. I think he was also get a look, got a little bit fed up of how Glenn Campbell was convening it. But uh, let's uh, go on to the sort of performances of the leaders as well. Um, what did everybody think of um, Patrick Harvey? 
I thought he was quite subdued during that debate. I'm not sure if it was just that the questions weren't being thrown to him enough, but I felt there wasn't um, there wasn't really much to go on in regards to his performance, apart from when um, they decided to um, debate the issue of uh, the announcement of the new yacht that's going to cost £200 million, because those at the BBC felt that that was a worthy topic of debate over climate change for some reason. Um, and he spoke very eloquently. Mm. They were all they were all sort of in agreement that not only was the yacht ridiculous, but the fact they were being asked about it during the final debate with limited time was also quite ridiculous. It's not even just ridiculous. It's actually quite frustrating that a royal yacht seems to make more preference over a climate emergency that is, you know, very, very close to hitting us. I thought it was... And education wasn't really mentioned much either. Yeah, exactly. You know, I thought the yacht bit was irrelevant. And Mm. I think Willie Rennie also had quite a lot to say on the yacht. He said he'd rather spend on things that actually matter. But uh, there was actually a small moment with Patrick Harvey and Nicola Sturgeon where we had a small disagreement. Sort of not more of a disagreement, more of a, a moment where they were sort of unsure on each other when it came mm. to sort of Scottish independence and the currency. We sort of had a small moment, but those were sort of the yacht and the currency were definitely the two moments that Patrick Harvey played into. Uh, you didn't get to say much. Yeah. There wasn't very much, there wasn't really a standout moment for Patrick Harvey in that debate, I felt. No, but uh, I, I definitely agree with you, but, you know, the Greens are, I'm not to say, known for talking about green and environment, and in that debate there wasn't much talk about that. And Patrick no. Harvey in the past has been praised for his work on the environment. Obviously, he's co-leader of the Greens, which sort of goes with a job. So I don't think he got to shine as much as he did in the past debates. Knight Willie Rennie also seems to be relatively quiet compared to previous performances. I mean, the, the Scottish Lib Dems have been a relatively quiet party in general over the last few years. Um, but yeah, he certainly wasn't as um, passionate as he appeared in the previous BBC debate, at least. But there were, there were some there were some moments um, he was quite upfront about his stance on independence, saying that he didn't want to, you know, spend the next few years arguing about currency and borders and repeating uh, the Brexit process, essentially. Um, and again, I, I know I keep coming back to uh, to Glenn Campbell, but I was I was struck by. Um, how sort of sensationalist a debate this was, especially for a BBC debate. I felt like there was a lot of um, trying to fan the flames. And there was a moment where uh, Glenn Campbell was discussing the EU with Willie Rennie and said that, you know, the party had always been big on the EU. And then he, he said something along the lines of, 
but now you've you've turned your back on them, haven't you? And I mean, he Ooh. obviously he obviously knows that that's not true, because the Lib Dems are a pro EU party, but they are anti independence. Um, so I you you could tell that he was agitated by the line of questioning, um, but over yeah overall it was just the same as. Uh, Patrick Harvey, I feel Willie Rennie didn't exactly cover himself over the party in glory, but he certainly didn't do anything to to harm his share of the vote tomorrow. Speaking of covering themselves in glory, what do you all make of Douglas Ross's performance and his insistence that many, many times insisting that the SNP would hold an illegal wildcat referendum, which Nicola Sturgeon just refuted point blank and said no they wouldn't. I, th- I think that this has sort of been quite a message that the SNP have clearly stated throughout this election. They would hold, they would seek to hold another referendum, my apologies, in the first half of the parliament in around about two years. That is with the condition of the coronavirus has sort of concluded and they've said that many many times they've said that before the election actually kicked off so i think that was maybe just douglas ross's approach to sort of stir up the sort of fear that goes with independence so i don't think he did very well there as nicholas sturgeon clearly stated with so many people watching at home that it should only seek another independence referendum in the first half of there was a lot of there was a lot of twisting words I felt I mean whether you're for or against independence you just need to look at the fact of what the SNP have actually said and what they've said basically is that if Boris Johnson blocks a referendum they are going to go to court and see if they can legally hold a referendum themselves um, so there's never been any insinuation that they would um, hold an illegal referendum. They would simply test the legalities of a referendum being blocked. And obviously the tweet put out by the Scottish Tories saying um, a vote for the SNP guarantees a second referendum. I'm not sure who was behind that, but it's very embarrassing for Douglas Ross, who's now had to come out and say that it's not a guarantee because um, the UK government would fight it. Um, and he was getting pulled up on that quite a lot. Um, he does... He gets... Um, obviously, as leader of the Scottish Conservatives, it's basically guaranteed that he's going to get um, a tough ride at these debates. Um, the the Tories have no major party um, in Holyrood that would be an ally to them in any way. So... I do, I do feel, I do feel bad for him in that sense that it's, you know, a lot of it is sort of piling on him, but yeah, at the same time, it's, it's a lot of, what's happened in the previous debates where he's just seemed either, badly informed or badly prepared, um, maybe both, but yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot of mixed messages he was sending out, which is, sort of the common theme of the Scottish Tories over the last few debates. And another common theme of the past few debates that we have seen has been Anna Sarwa having a bit of a go at Douglas Ross as well. And we saw a little bit more of that last night as well. A bit of a go is a light way of putting how Anna Sarwa has been treating <laughs> Douglas Ross at these debates. I mean, 
he's very um, whether you agree with him or not he's very upfront. I mean la- last night he said he said that Douglas Ross doesn't care about the union he's only trying to save his own skin and then when you compare that to comments before saying that it's not even a good case for the union it's just it's a very it's a very intense message to put out there but I feel like in that debate um, Anna Sauer did quite well obviously um, there was the first sort of hint of him on the back foot when uh, Nicola Sturgeon brought up the fact that a Labour candidate had been sacked by the party for suggesting that um, another independence debate could happen or that it should be allowed but that yeah, yeah that was suggested that it was up to the Scottish people to decide yeah, and that, that was the first time that. that was the first time in these leaders' debates that I've seen um, Anna Sawar being sort of properly criticised personally and sort of being on the back foot um, and he, he, employed, he employed the Nicola Sturgeon approach of when you're accused of doing something bad and basically owned up to it and said yeah that's like he, he seemed to not let it bother him and he was like yeah that's true that's what I've done um, and obviously whether you agree with him for doing that is a is another matter but again I feel like for so, for someone who's only been in the job for two months um, he's not he's not done at all badly at these debates mm-hmm. because we are also so close to the election we have also had the release of the final of some final polls out as well out as always, polls should be taken with a pinch of salt. Um, however, one poll we have in front of us that I think we shall talk about is modelling by Sir John Curtis, who has a habit of predicting things correctly. Uh, and if you want to hear more from him, feel free to tune in to our election coverage, which will be live on Radio Energy on Friday and Saturday. But modelling by polling expert Sir John Curtis, shows the SNP on 68 seats, which is a majority of four, with the Greens taking 13 seats, more than doubling their current number, Alipa party getting one seat. So, that would be an interesting one. It also shows the Tories losing seats, and Labour also losing seats as well. Uh, However... It has to be said, other polls, including one conducted by Savanta Comres for the Scotsman, show predict the SNP missing out on a majority by six seats. So, do we really read much into these? Shall we just wait and see? What are we thinking? Uh, well, as we know, this is such an important election that is coming up. So important. That, that you know the electoral commission has confirmed a final total voter register of this Scottish Scottish election sits at four million two hundred eighty thousand seven hundred eighty five, which is a record amount of people signing up to vote. Uh, but your polls, though, this election is on a knife edge, and so apparently is this SNP majority that. Lots of polls have hinted at for, and lots of pin- polls have hinted at against. I think it's going to be very, very close call. Um, coming into this election, and 
we're going to be there reporting on it, which is also going to be very exciting. I think that um, it's it's pretty it's pretty much a definite that the SNP are going to win this election. It's just a matter of you know by how much. And basically, what the polls are showing is that whether or not they win a majority, it's not going to be a convincing majority. It's going to be quite slim. And I it's feel worth mentioning in that context, though, that the Scottish Parliament was set up so that no one party could ever have a majority. Yeah, which shows the popularity of the SNP. And interestingly, I feel like their sort of hard push uh, for independence. I mean, obviously they've said that they're not going to hold a referendum until after uh, we come out of the COVID crisis, but how you determine when we're out of the COVID crisis is, you know, up to debate. But um, I feel like the approach they've taken to say that we plan to hold a referendum if we get elected within the next parliamentary term, I feel like that stance may be their hindrance in this election because I feel like when people have gone through um, this experience of the pandemic um, it's not a lot of people will see this as not the right time for change and I think a lot of people will want the person who's led us to this point to continue and not necessarily want a change of leadership during this sort of turbulent period but that doesn't necessarily mean that they agree with independence. And obviously, when the um, after the SNP uh, lost the referendum, after it came back to a no vote in 2014, um, independence was still an SNP policy, but they kind of put it on the back burner almost. It wasn't really discussed as much. And then in the following election, that's when they got one of their best results. Because people who don't agree with independence... Um, there are people who don't agree with independence who still like the SNP and who still like Nicola Sturgeon. Um, so, yeah, I, f- I feel as though it might actually be uh, their push for independence that could be potentially harming their results right now. On the flip side of that, it could be pushing their results forward. As there's a lot of people saying that the time is right, given that we are going through a damaging Brexit which Scotland never voted for, and Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, which is, at the moment anyway, hardly a good thing for the Tories in Scotland to have him. I think he's one of the least popular politicians in Scotland. I think there's definitely two arguments to this sort of recovery. On one side, you have the SNP and the Greens, who think it should be Scotland who dictate the recovery for themselves and you know they would say that this is the time for change this is Scotland's chance to recover as a new nation from the recovery of the coronavirus but then obviously what they're worried about is the austerity cuts that will likely come in if they do stay part of the United Kingdom but then there's also the other argument with this is that Scotland if they do leave the United Kingdom they would be weaker because one they would be leaving the United Kingdom and we've already had uh, discussions about land borders and obviously 
they would still not be part of the European Union. It sometimes takes even years. So there's two, you know, big arguments for this. Uh, between which is which has obviously dominated this election as a constitutional question of Scottish independence. And of course, we await to see what the result of the election is. Please join us to find out the results on Friday. We will be live from ten a.m. until six p.m. on Energy on Radio Energy. You can find that on the Radio Energy website and we'll be live at the same time again on Saturday. We will have regular updates on our on the Radio DB website for this and we hope you can listen in and enjoy our lovely voices to guide you through the election results as they come in. And of course we will have one more podcast for you, one more election special podcast once the results have been declared. Thank you very much for listening to us again. We hope you have a very good rest of your day and you enjoy voting tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.